Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Monday, June 26th. It's 10 a.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. On Monday mornings, we get together to hopefully start not only your day, but your week with good company around a tough situation called caregiving. So just a couple quick updates before we get into today's topic, which is Medicaid. Just want to give you a couple heads up about some things that are going on on caregiving.com. We're having a summer school during a week in August, and I'm going to announce our classes today. So the point of the summer school is just to give you a break. So you're going to go to school to get a break from the emotional problems or difficulties or challenges that you can face during a caregiving experience. And our classes will help you feel like, oh, I just got a break from worrying or being frustrated or being angry or feeling like I just don't know what to do next. So I'll have our classes posted on caregiving.com later today. You can sign up for each class, which is nine bucks. If you take more than one class, you get a discount. And the more classes you take, the bigger your discount. So be sure to stop by caregiving.com for details about that. Just a reminder that our contest around our conference is ongoing. And this conference is to pick our keynote presenter. So if you'd like to present our keynote during our second annual National Caregiving Conference, our contest is your chance to not only give the keynote, but win a trip to Chicago. Mm. So in order to enter, you want to create a five-minute YouTube video during which you share your caregiving story and the message that you'd like to share to the attendees of the conference. Keep in mind what our conference theme is, which is bold, and it's bold before, during, and after. So you can use that theme to create a message. And the message is what you would share through your keynote presentation at our second annual National Caregiving Conference on November 11th. The conference is November 10th and 11th, and the keynote would happen on November 11th. Your keynote presentation is 45 minutes, so you want to keep that in mind. But you don't have to have the entire keynote figured out in order to enter the contest. You just have to have the message that you want to share. So in your five-minute YouTube video, tell us your caregiving story and tell us the message you'd like others in a caregiving situation to hear. You can learn more about the contest on caregiving.com. And the deadline to enter is July 20th. So you've got three weeks-ish to get your video together and to enter. And we're going to start our staycation contest this month. And then I think we'll finish it up sometime in July. So we do this every year on caregiving.com where you take a staycation. You do something that feels like a vacation. could even be in your backyard where you get a kiddie pool, a lawn chair, Stick your toes in the water of the kiddie pool and call it a staycation. So to enter the contest, you just want to take a picture of whatever you're doing on your staycation, and that will put you into a chance to win. 
So I'll post details about our staycation contest tomorrow on caregiving.com. We've been doing it every year for several years, and it's always fun. Just an opportunity to do something different in your day, to not make more work, but to just do something that feels a little different and a little vacation-y. And again, you can do it in your town, your neighborhood, your backyard, or your house. So we've had entries in the past where someone just read a book, and that felt like a vacation. And sometimes in caregiving, it feels so easy, except it's hard (laughs) to get the time to read a book. So if that is your break, that's an entry. And again, I'll post more information about our staycation contest on caregiving.com tomorrow, June 27th, my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Keith. So today we're going to have a conversation about Medicaid. And the Senate health care bill, which was announced last week, is the inspiration for today's show. So we're going to talk about how Medicaid helps us and helps our carries. And so joining me today, as she does every Monday morning, is Colleen Cavanaugh, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about Colleen. Her website is thelongestdance.com, and she cared for both of her parents for a decade. She's now a certified caregiving consultant who helps family caregivers streamline their lives and cultivate a sense of mission that supports them through the less-than-perfect days. So good morning, Colleen. Good morning, Denise. And also joining us this morning is Karen Bromberg. She's the founder of Help You Through, which, uh, and her website is helpyouthrough.com. Her inspiration in developing this online resource to support family caregivers and their loved ones came out of her experience caring for both her parents in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Karen has been practicing allied, a practicing allied health care professional for more than 25 years, as well as a certified yoga instructor. Recently, she became a certified caregiving consultant and looks forward to working with family caregivers to help brainstorm solutions to their caregiving challenges. So good morning, Karen. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Very good. So let's start with you, Karen. You have such an interesting story because you had this terrible disaster hit your area with the hurricane, yeah. and then it started this whole challenge of trying to care for your parents and find somewhere for them to live. And right. Something that helped, and something that helped you was the fact that your parents qualified for Medicaid and you could have them live in a facility which accepted Medicaid. And just as a a primer. Medicaid is a federal and state-funded program for individuals who have low income. So what do you think would have happened, Karen, if your parents didn't have a program like Medicaid that helped them when their finances were exhausted and they needed care? What do you think would have happened? I have no idea. I mean, I think about the people now. I actually think about myself five years ago, if Medicaid wasn't around, if we were in the situation now, back then that we are now, I don't know what I would do. As it was, we were stressed to our limit. 
We were panic-stricken. It would have been all that much worse not having that safety net for them. Um, as it is, and I'm sure listeners know this, very few assisted livings take Medicaid straight out. We were very fortunate to have found a few. But if we didn't even have that, I don't know what we would have done. How old were your parents, Karen, when they qualified for Medicaid? The answer to the it's a kind of a complicated question because they probably qualified for Medicaid far earlier than we applied for, and that was only because of Hurricane Sandy that their living or situation had changed because they were holding their own pretty well while still living in the house. But once Hurricane Sandy hit, everything changed. So, And they were at that point 89 and 90 years old. So the reason that I ask you about their age is that it wasn't something that they – took advantage of meaning you know they didn't they weren't on medicaid forever you know they really no. waited until finances were exhausted they were 89 and 90 years old there was no option i mean in terms of finances i mean they were 89 and 90 so whatever income they had accrued over their lifetime you know you retire and then you spend down so at some point, you get to the point where you qualify for Medicaid just because. Yes. So and I think thank that's God that's there. Exactly. And I think that's an important point, too, to emphasize is that your parents had been spending their money in order to manage as best they could. Right. And because they had spent their money, there was no money left to pay for a facility or hire help. There was no money. And that's when Medicaid entered the picture to help them. There was very little funds available. And what little funds that there were uh, paid for their um, rent, for lack of a better word, at the assisted living until Medicaid kicked in. So, so yeah, how, I mean, so how long did they live in assist? How long did they live in assisted living before they both died? Well, they were in assisted living. My father was in assisted living for, I want to say, ten months before he went into a nursing home facility. Then my mother went into the nursing home six months later. They were in the nursing home for three years. Now, I'm sure most listeners know, maybe not, but nursing home Medicaid is far different than assisted living Medicaid, which is different than community Medicaid, the stuff that you have at the house. It's three different types, and there are three different qualifications for it, with with Medicaid for nursing homes being the most stringent. That's the one that has the look back. So something to keep in mind, too, is each state operates its Medicaid program right. a little differently. So that's Correct. the other part that gets confusing about it because there's state Correct. funds that get into it. You do have to have a level of care in order to receive Medicaid reimbursement to a skilled nursing facility. 
Correct. And what's, and the interesting part about it is something that you referenced, which is the look-back period. So why don't you explain what the look-back period is, which is so, something that happens before you qualify for a nursing home services, well, which are covered through Medicaid. So basically, when we had to apply for my parents to get nursing home Medicaid, we had to get all of their paperwork for the last five years, as much as we could possibly put our hands on. And we worked through an elder attorney, which I highly recommend, because to try to do this without the benefit of an attorney is very, very, very difficult. It takes longer, in my experience, from listening to other people, and just is much more stress-inducing. So our, our attorney gave us a list of all of the information that we have had to gather, and we gathered it for five years because at that point, and I think it's still true now, at that point there was a five-year look back. There's been talk, and I honestly don't know if it's gone into effect, but there was talk that the look back would be up to eight years. And trust me, five I, years was plenty in terms of just paperwork because yeah. those yeah. poor trees. So yeah. we gathered all of the paperwork, all finances, bills, and you name it, um, for five years. And Medicaid sifted through that. It took a full year, I believe it was a full year, for them to get officially approved to Medicaid. So I want to so mention that the reason that Medicaid looks back five years is to see if someone intentionally transferred funds right. in order to qualify for Medicaid. So they just want to make sure that the funds that are used, the assets that someone has are used for living, care, their needs, and that someone isn't trying to work the system, so to speak, and right. transfer money. Right to a family member or someone else so that they qualify for Medicaid. Right. So they're not hiding so, uh, resources. Yes. Yep, exactly. So that they, you truly do qualify. You haven't right. transferred funds to qualify. And if they find that you have, then you, you are don't penalized. don't want to be in that situation. By, yeah, because you're, you're penalized. So I think it's, okay. there's a couple things that I think are important to keep in mind, and that is how important it is to really track the receipts keep receipts, track the expenses, mm -hmm. keep the budget so that if you if your carry does qualify for Medicaid, you have that information during the application process. And the other thing is how important it is to have a program like that. We live a long time, and it costs money to live a long time. And yeah to have a program like Medicaid so that we can continue to receive care, whether we use a program that provides care at the house, an assisted living facility, or a nursing home is critical. It's critical. Right. Otherwise, you know, if the concern is, Karen, is that the family caregiver then has to pay for a facility or care. That's right. And let's face and it, we can't totally do that. Yeah, that could totally bankrupt the family caregiver. Because if my, husband, if my husband and I had to pay for my parents' care, we'd be in bankruptcy. 
for sure. Right. And then you would not have money for your own care. Correct. So it just seems crazy to me that we don't we don't look at these programs, which I know that they are expensive, but when you look at the long term, they're the least expensive option. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Colleen, you've been listening to our conversation. What do you think? I can so relate. Karen, to your story, because I had a father in assisted living, also in nursing care, and when you're in that world, you see how vulnerable people are with their financial situations, and regular middle-class families exhaust their resources and then need assistance, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's very frightening and like you mentioned at the beginning you have the regular stress that's involved in caring for someone and then when you compound that with financial worry it's it's catastrophic right something that Colleen we had talked about a few weeks ago was the financial stress around caregiving which led us to a a more broader conversation about oh my gosh when you're worried about money regardless of the situation it's just awful and so Colleen you and I had talked about our financial stresses and one of the things that you had mentioned was at one point in your life you were on food stamps and I think it's important to remember that that was one time in your life it wasn't forever what was it that that gave you that safety net of food stamps Colleen it gave me the ability to stabilize and regain footing. That's that's what it ultimately did. And it relieved at least one piece of the stress puzzle that I knew myself and my infant were going to be fed. And I didn't that yeah. was one thing, one critical thing that you have in life. You have everybody has to eat. And that was one thing that I knew, okay, this is covered and now let me move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. And how long were you able to use food stamps? I used it for less than a year. Yeah. I I just think if you look at how much the program spent on you, Colleen, in under a year, the investment in what you became is immeasurable, is immeasurable, because it gave you a chance. And that's what I think these programs do is they give people a chance. Absolutely. And, you know, there are stories behind all the statistics. And I think, you know, there was an interesting piece in the New York Times this weekend that addressed, um, you know, who and how people are affected. And it gave very short personal stories that were very poignant and, you know, I'll let people see, hey, there are certain circumstances that do happen to people, that, and they're happening to people, not it's yeah. not just, yeah. it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is more yeah. important, saving money or lives? And I think that is the yeah. big picture right now with this right. bill that's in front of the Senate this week. Yeah. Go ahead, Karen. What did you want to add? No, and I think it's just so... It kind of boggles my mind the level of 
I feel that that people in Washington just don't care about the folks back home. And I know that may not be true, and they would say that that's not true, but it, it comes across that way that our individual struggles are seems to be less important than the bottom line somehow. So, Colleen, the New York Times article that you mentioned was was great because it had these terrific pictures of what someone looks like who's on Medicaid and living in a nursing home. (laughs) And it showed um, the resident's room where she lived, showed another resident with a young child. They didn't identify the young child, so I'm not sure if it was her grandchild. But the pictures, I think, what it provides for people. On MSNBC on Friday night, the Lawrence O'Donnell, oh, I never remember what his name is because I only think of O'Donnell. him as Lawrence. But it's, yeah, O'Donnell. Okay, Lawrence O'Donnell, yeah, his show, which airs at it's 10, a.m., 10 p.m. Eastern time. He wasn't on the show, but he had his um, another MSNBC anchor who filled in for him, Ari Melber, who I love. He's an attorney. He's fantastic. And he had this segment with a mom and her son, and it was extremely powerful. It was amazing. And the son talked about what Medicaid gave him, which was the chance for a better life. So he has a chronic illness, which has left him significantly disabled, including his inability to actually speak. So he has a computer who's, that speaks for him. Uh, uh, it was amazing because it showed the personal part of the Medicaid program. And at the end of the segment, Ari was crying, and I was following the conversation on Twitter about it, and everyone said, oh, my gosh, this is what our representatives need to see. Mm -hmm. And what's frustrating is that they don't celebrate that we have a program in place that helps people, and instead they focus on how much it costs. And if they focused instead on the success stories, I think that they would do whatever they could to protect the program instead of looking at how much it costs. Because how much it's going to cost without that program is going to be devastating to our economy, I think, my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. So let's bring in um, Carolyn Grant, who usually joins us at the top of the our, at the top of our conversation. So um, Carolyn Grant's also one of our certified caregiving consultants. She has 10 years of experience caring for both her parents while also raising a family. She teaches her clients to recognize their own unique strengths as a family caregiver, how to listen actively, and to proactively communicate with everyone from doctors to extended family members. So good morning, Carolyn. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm fine, thank you. Hi, everyone. So any, Hi, any questions you want any questions you want to ask Carolyn or um, um, Karen or Colleen or any thoughts you want to ask? Add Carolyn. Uh, well, I, I guess the comment that came to mind after the, the great discussion so far is advocacy. Is that as caregivers, I we should add. I know there's a lot on our plate, but add to our role as contract contacting your local congressman, congresswoman, to tell those stories, to make it more than just a bottom line decision for our Congress people. Yeah, and doing, absolutely. Personalize yeah. it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I think if we talk about what life would be like without it, I, I think the story then becomes how do we keep it? How do we keep these programs? Because without them, it's devastating. And in a caregiving situation, it's not just devastating for our carees, but it's devastating for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So two families are affected, and I think that's important to remember as well. I think in any situation, we tend to, we live it, we breathe it, we understand it because it's our life. But our congresspeople may not be in that situation yet to fully understand who is utilizing the Medicare program and why they're utilizing it and how it can be and intended to be short term that there are a lot of myths and assumptions that go into who's using every program. So that's why we need to speak up and let our congresspeople know, and we need to do it now. And just a clarification, it's Medicaid. So I just want to make sure we're, everyone well, realizes sorry, we're talking about. Yeah, 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 which is different than Medicare. So we're just focusing, Absolutely, on, focusing yeah. on Medicaid today because that's the no, one no. that's on the chopping block. Yeah, that's the one that yeah. is on the chopping yeah. block. Yeah. So I think it is important for us to reach out to our representatives. And was there something you wanted to add? I think it was Karen. Yeah, it was, but I, I found it just very interesting that uh, little blip of the tongue that Carolyn made about uh, Medicare versus Medicaid. You'd be surprised how many people don't actually know or they keep forgetting, and I know, Carolyn, you're not in that position. They actually don't know which is which and what, which does what which I found to be very interesting. People didn't realize that Medicare is what we all get at a certain point in our lives, and Medicaid is for those that are economically challenged. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the assumption is that Medicare, which is the insurance program for typically persons over 65, or although there's other qualifying factors for individual, is going to cover whatever it is that you need as you age. And that's not the case at all. It doesn't cover long-term care. It's a very short benefit for nursing home stays. And there's very short and limited um, benefits for home care. So we are looking at paying for care ourselves. And at some point, because we live so long, we might outlive our budget. And then what happens? And that's when Medicaid enters the equation. And thank Mm -hmm. goodness, because what would we do without it? What would we do when we outlive our budget? It's really frightening to think about it. So we have just a couple minutes left, so I just want to give everybody a chance to share last thoughts. Karen, we'll start with you. What would you like listeners to remember and keep in mind about our conversation today? Well, I want to thank you, Denise, for uh, bringing this to the forefront of the conversation because I think we do have to keep in mind how vital Medicaid is to us all. And, yes, there are um, abuses in all situations, and you are correct, but so many people use it sparingly. They don't want to, to use it, and they use it only when they absolutely have to. So I'm really frightened for folks now 
who are now going into that kind of situation with the prospect of not having Medicaid. So I think you are very correct that we do need to speak up to make sure that we have what we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I do agree with you that it can feel like a shameful topic, right? We sometimes don't talk about the fact that we use programs like Medicaid. And I think talking about them really talks about the success of those programs. Colleen, what would you add? I would let people know that their voice matters. And my big soapbox in general is voting. And make a difference. If this affects you or you're frightened by what changes might happen, vote and support your representatives who are going to be behind what you believe in. In New Jersey last year, the past several years, there was a fight over the Return Home New Jersey initiative. And the family, it was requiring disabled people living in subsidized homes outside of New Jersey to be returned back to New Jersey, even though these individuals were living out of state for decades and they were going to be brought to homes that had inadequate care for their needs. And the families um, got together and they fought the governor and in a legislature that never vetoed our governor, they got this bill defeated. And there is power in making calls and showing up and making your voice known. You can make a difference. Yes, I love that. That's such an important, important point. And I think the other part of it is to know what your senators and congressmen represent. What is it that they represent? And align yourself with the representative who represents what you feel is important. And make sure that you vote for who it is that represents what's aligned with your values. And for any representative you have, let them know what's important to you. Reach out, call, email. Really let your voice be heard because it does make a difference. It does make a difference. Carolyn, what would you like to add? I'm kind of smiling because each of you touched on what I was going to say. So (laughs) I feel validated in my comments. (laughs) Um, But also education is the – we can't notify our congressperson if we haven't educated ourselves about the issues. And for many people, there is a misunderstanding between Medicare and Medicaid, a slip of the tongue or not. And it – so – understand the issues because the reality is for most Americans, we are one medical catastrophe away from really truly needing aid. And it's not something that happens to someone else. It could happen to you. So you need to educate yourself on the issues, vote and notify your Congress people. Okay. I can't add anything else. So we're going to stop. So I just want to give my deepest gratitude to Colleen and Carolyn and and Karen for joining us this morning. Thank you, ladies, so much. Always a Thank pleasure. you. Very informative. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Just a reminder, our Monday morning podcast airs every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And in the meantime, be sure to stop by caregiving.com and let us know how you're doing because we do really love to know. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.